0: Welcome to Slime House, a podcast-rated PG for crude humor, outrageous hijinks, and mild language. I'm your guest, Cole Sadler.
1: I'm Jasper. I'm Max. I'm Jared. I'm Nelson. And today we're doing kindergarten top. I Top*.
2: Now, more than ever, to be a teacher requires
3: patience, kindness, and understanding. Fortunately, Astoria Elementary has just hired such an individual. Arnold Schwarzenegger is kindergarten cop.
1: Anyway, so stoked to have you on, Cole. I know you're a... Cole, for those of you who don't know, Maya, he goes by the name Peewee Hermeneutics on Instagram. You can find him making funny quips on the internet. But also, he's an, av- an avowed... Arnold Schwarzenegger fan, so we definitely wanted him to come and chat about kind of a key Arnold family film, Kindergarten Cop, with us today. So excited to have you.
0: I'm glad to be here, and I think, you know, this movie, I think it's a perfect, I think it, I think it's a very strong, what I, what I understand Slimehouse to be, but I also think it's a very interesting entrant into Arnold's broader filmography that I think you know, it functions as like a weird contrast, but also like very much kind of just in his wheelhouse. So I'm looking forward to talking about it.
2: All right. So Kindergarten Cop, for those that haven't seen it, it tells the story of John Kimball, a tough guy cop who has to pose as a kindergarten teacher in order to locate a dangerous criminal's ex-wife who he believes will be the key to locking him up once and for all.
4: As we mentioned, the headliner of this movie is Arnold Schwarzenegger himself. At this point, he was already an A-lister and able to kind of sell a movie just on himself alone. Supporting cast includes Penelope Ann Miller as a fellow teacher, Pamela Reed as his partner, Linda Hunt as the principal, and a few other supporting roles. Notably, Academy Award nominee Kathy
3: mara has a small role as one of the parents at the school. So the movie was released by Universal Pictures and was directed by Ivan Reitman, most well known for the first two Ghostbusters movies. It was also produced by Reitman and Brian Grazer, who we've seen around before on this show, both as a producer and as a figure of uh, Hollywood in movies like Big Fat Liar. So it's cool to see his producer credit on this. Cinematography was actually done by a legend in the film world, Michael Chapman, who uh, also worked with Martin Scorsese quite a bit before passing away last year. Score was done by Randy Edelman, who also did some other Schwarzenegger movies and slime-adjacent movies, such as Twins, Beethoven, and The Mask. And this film was uh, mostly shot in Astoria, Oregon, which is very close to where another kind of sort of proto-slime classic, The Goonies, was filmed. So... Yeah, shout out to the northwest
4: yeah i i was looking for timmy failure in the classroom as i was rewatching.
2: <laughs> yeah this is the, the the trilogy of uh pacific northwest slime could be this goonies and timmy failure and i think good setting for the movie like this i think for a slime movie
4: totally i'm
2: actually on my way to oregon
4: tomorrow so it was actually a perfect movie ahead of heading up north
1: so, Kindergarten Cop came out in December of 1990, which was notably kind of right after Home Alone, which we've covered on the show. And if you kind of look at both of these movies together in that same, you know, couple month span, they really, I think, jump started a renewed interest in family films that would stretch into the 90s and beyond and would, in some ways, define what Slimehouse was to become later on. It was a huge box office success and really cemented Arnold Schwarzenegger as kind of a four quadrant film star. He only really had one more comedic performance before this in Ivan Reitman's Twins, which we just mentioned. But that comedy was aimed more towards a more adult audience. Whereas this, I think, aims to please both adults and kids. For me, I had never seen this movie until until this episode was one of those movies that was constantly referenced when I was growing up by friends and acquaintances. And for some reason, it just never, never caught my radar. I don't think it ever really like interested me. So it was good to catch up on this one. It's one of those ones I kind of always saw as maybe like a really, really key Slimehouse movie that I was just totally missing. And we'll we'll get into kind of where we think this actually fits in the Slimehouse genre later. But had you guys seen this? Was this kind of a movie that that you saw as like an early Slimehouse favorite?
2: Um, I'd actually never seen this movie. This was also my first time watching and I've always been familiar with it. I've seen, like, of course, videos. A lot of Arnold's scenes have kind of become memes at this point. There's a lot of scenes of him yelling, like, shut up, and it's not a tumor, to- just some classic Arnold lines in this. So I was familiar with the movie from that standpoint, just as the source of these Arnold quotes, but no, I actually hadn't seen it and it always had been one of the, I feel like key slime house movies that's completely evaded me.
3: Yeah. I had a similar experience as max never saw it, but there was a, on the website, funny com, which was all the rage back in 2005, <laughs> there was an Arnold Schwarzenegger soundboard that I messed with quite a bit. And you know, the more obscure quotes on that soundboard, I s- suspected or assumed were from like, another kind of like classic Ariad Arnold movie, like Total Recall. Because isn't his character in that, like that's John Kimball. No, that's John Matrix in this movie. He's John Kimball. Both movies come from 1990, but like it got them mixed up. But like, you know, I just remember the funniest quotes from that soundboard were actually from this movie, the ones Max mentioned. So it was kind of a trip to, you know, even though I had never seen this movie before, it was in a sense, almost like going down memory lane because of, kind of the early internet meme humor of the 2000s. Yeah, I had not seen it either,
4: but I remember both my older sister Caroline and my cousin John would... Like, I remember them both mentioning, have you ever seen Kindergarten Cop? And they would say the lines like, it's not a tumor, that being the main one. And then I remember my sister, she misquoted it, but the gist of it was the twins who say, our mommy says our daddy is a sex machine. <laughs> and so I just, like... I vaguely knew about the movie and like but yeah, I had never not part of my childhood and not part of my even like yeah, movie interest prior um to this episode.
0: Yeah, I mean, this this was one of those movies that I felt like I always caught uh, the tail end of on cable but had never really just taken the time to see from end to end and like max um it, I definitely this movie is actually crucial if you are attempting to Master an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression whatsoever, because some of the most, you know, some of the ways he imbo- like says words in like a different elevated tone of voice, they're they're kind of crucial. to Like learning how to do his impersonation of him, very helpful if you're trying to make a prank call with the Arnold Schwarzenegger soundboard. Another thing that was a routine hobby of mine. Um, and uh, actually, funny enough, uh, the way I would test my quality of my Arnold Schwarzenegger impression is I would call. Uh, rest like uh denny's in california and be like don't you know it's me and they're like oh my god <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that was the ultimate test that was like hard mode you know i would like you know listen to this
1: soundboard
0: for a long time so
1: that's very funny this was this was one of those movies that it, it's a it's a key kind of slime house movie because i think however slimy you may think it is i think it was the first in kind of this like Big guy, little problems kind of genre where a buff, you know, it can be a wrestler, an athlete, somebody of that ilk who is dealing with like young kids. And that concept in and of itself is very funny, you know. And right after this, you saw the pacifier, the game plan, Tooth Fairy. And right after this, you had Hulk Hogan do a couple of movies, Suburban Commando, Santa with Muscle. It talked about My Spy last. Last year with Dave Bautista, so I, to me, this is kind of the blueprint for a lot of those movies, and it felt very similar to to my Spy actually. It would to me, it felt very reminiscent of that which we talked about last year.
2: Yeah, I feel like that's always kind of been this movie's role in my head too. It's just like I don't know if it's actually the first, but it's definitely the earliest to my memory I can think of of these movies that pair big guys with little kids and just kind of mine a lot out of like the relationship and a lot of like size difference just a lot of humor based around how big Arnold is in these environments with all these kids and the I think also casting uh Linda Hunt also adds to that because she's a very small actress and he towers over her so I think <laughs> the my, a lot of, a lot of height difference humor here just visually which I think is something that continued from this movie into other movies of its ilk.
3: We talk a lot about the trope of uh you know wise guy actors or tough guy actors being in, in these kind of like roles where they're brought down a peg the same year or you know a month before this Joe Pesci in Home Alone and this too. I feel like th- the way we see it in this movie it's you know, it's in a different kind of um, capacity because it's from his point of view whereas Home Alone was not from Joe Pesci's point of view. So I think that's something we haven't seen before uh, and kind of it's a, it's a very different take on that trope.
4: Yeah, I think it's it's good to contextualize this as proto-slime, which for Cole is kind of like the movies that started the Slimehouse movement, but maybe weren't as much like full balls-to-the-wall Slimehouse because they were still kind of inventing a lot of what we now know. And so I have to say, on a first viewing, I was kind of expecting it to be slimier because I was waiting for a lot of what we would see become tropes happen later. And I think it's a good reminder that this is first and foremost an Arnold movie. And I think the kids kind of literally kind of come in second. I mean, the first 20 minutes of the movie is a a cop type movie with a a kind of a PG 13 flair, again, akin to my spy, which I think we're going to be comparing this movie a lot to, he gets on an airplane and there's some annoying kids with their circa 1990 bowl cuts glowing as he messes with them there. But um, it's only once we get to the classroom that anything that resembles Slimehouse appears. And so equivalent to how with Home Alone, there was some talk about how it didn't start Slimehouse and kind of Slimehouse was literally being birthed in that third act. I think that big guy, little problems genre was kind of coming into its own midway through this movie.
0: But but I think that there's some crucial factors that actually I have just I mean I dare I say I have a, some small disagreements in that like you've got the, with the one of the opening bits is like her throwing up a lot right so there's like the bodily excretion <laughs> source of humor of like you know like running around barf it's literally a musical montage of like them driving and her barfing so you know it's not played up. <laughs> It's not played up to that to that level of, like, early 2000s, like, oh, you know, like, sort of thing, but...
2: <laughs> yeah, that was actually something I noted, too, in my notes, is while I was watching it, when I was trying to come up with some slimy stuff, I feel like just, like, the, the food poisoning humor ring is pretty slimy to me, even before the movie really brought in the kids, because earlier, like, this movie, I was actually surprised by how much of an action movie it is, as opposed to a comedy. Like, I would say this is an action movie, almost primarily with funny parts in it and I was under the impression that it would be mostly stuff in the school but um, honestly there's lots of time in the movie spent away from the school a lot of it dedicated to Arnold's romance with Penelope Ann Miller's character which is actually what ends the movie is them getting together which kind of makes it seem like that's more the focus but yeah I was surprised how much this was about Arnold and there wasn't really a main kid character just a bunch of kids that provided gags there was like the son of the woman of the ex-wife that he was seeking, but even he was not really a primary character in the movie.
1: Going off that, Max, and bringing it back to what Jared said about, you know, this being from his perspective, I, I actually think this is an interesting, like, almost mirror image of a lot of the slime house that would come out because... There's a lot of tropes and a lot of kind of narrative elements in this that we see a lot, you know, single parents, we see Mm -hmm. a lot small town, we see all the time. These are these narrative beginnings that we see a lot in Slimehouse stuff. But instead of it being from telling that story of kids getting to know the world and finding their place in the world, it's adults kind of Finding their place in a new situation. Even Arnold Schwarzenegger is like he's the new guy in town, which we always see in Slimehouse. It's like the kids are the new kids in town. They've just moved. So in that way it was it was interesting. It was almost felt like an adult slimehouse movie in, in a weird I think way.
0: There's also the what we're describing here is it's another Arnold film that I feel has of an overly ambitious weird tonal shift. So when we watched Last Action Hero, there's a kind of a tonal shift in the end where it goes from being a lot more zany, kid-friendly into being like very serious and kind of dramatic. And here I think it's kind of a reversal of like the weird Arnold tonal shift movie where it begins in a place of like being very serious and it's kind of crazy to think that there is sort of a kid-centric appeal to the film because of the way it begins of like you know depicting a woman who has track marks on her neck and you know ha- is had her boyfriend is brutally murdered by ponytail small face guy uh and uh, <laughs> you know like just there's those there, there's a weird tonal shift there
3: bouncing off that i think this movie to its credit really compared to like a lot of like slime, slime house that would come after i think it uses it's a uh, pl- it has a very slimehouse plot how it is actually executed throughout the film is another story but I think it goes to some pretty dark places in terms of like what the other kids in the, what the kids in the classroom what their family lives are like there's like a couple kids that are like come from these like kind of abusive family relationships and dynamics and the movie handles that it tackles that subject in a way I don't think a slimehouse I think the average slimehouse movie, maybe shy away from definitely and
4: i think that that's a good distinction where like it does at certain points deviate very far from what i think of as slime house and i think that usually in Slimehouse the small town setting is so americana it's like the kids ride their bikes everywhere carefree but in this the small town has you know what i think of as more realistic like there are kids whose parents are screw-ups and who, you know, have really unhealthy elements to it and that's made to be like plot points because it's kind of a who done it as Arnold is trying to figure out who the kid is that is in trouble. It becomes pretty obvious <laughs> as you're watching it, but um, but it is early on there's some like leads that are all given kind of shady background so that they're contenders.
2: Yeah, the whole movie I was surprised a lot by I mean, this isn't like a pitch black comedy or anything, but the humor in a lot of it was darker than I was expecting it to be because I thought this was going to be like, I feel like it's a lot of us more straightforward slime House, but uh, just kind of bouncing off the scene, talking about the kids who come from broken homes. There's a scene early on when Arnold Schwarzenegger asks the kids what like their dads do for a living, and it's just this montage of them all giving answers, and pretty much all of them are talking about how their dad either is like left the family or he's a bum or he's lazy and somehow there's some really dark humor where like a kid says my dad doesn't do anything since the crash and then another kid who says that his mom hopes that his dad's gonna die soon and like just some of the much of it went darker than i thought in that scene i think this movie's kind of attitude to talk about broken homes and bad relationships with parents and bad parents felt very not slimy to me and felt more like kind of the eighties comedy. It's kind of running to me as something you might see in monster squad or weird science. Some of the proto slime we've talked about, which I think this movie kind of acts as a good bridge between the super proto slime and the full fledged slime that would come later. Yeah. I like that note a lot. It, it felt like a
1: perfect middle ground of like, Oh, we're starting to transition out of like the Hughes type comedy into something a little bit younger into something a little bit more family friendly that you know would take a couple more years to develop but yeah it it felt like a really a very clear transition into what would soon become pure maybe
0: i have a hypothesis i have maybe i i tend to always be interested in the way in which 9-11 has affected culturally, how film cinema stories were told. So perhaps, you know, proto-slime was stripped of its more sort of gravitas in a, in a way that when dramas went far more into the realm of intensity and realism, comedy kind of had to go the other direction and become more zany and separated from reality. So that there could be like kind of a contrasting offering and that people, you know, maybe is, is have you detected anything like that in, you know, sort of the evolution of Slime House, I guess?
2: Yeah, I actually, I really like that point because I was kind of thinking about that because I was also watching Shrek for another episode, which is one of the last nine, like, pre-9-11 big hit films, and I do feel like this movie has a lot of stuff in terms of, like, you see a lot of kids in actual mortal danger, and the end involves, like, a shoot, it involves like gunplay in the school hallways and classrooms and the school on fire and all this stuff, and that's kind of crazy to see that in any kind of movie unless it's like a serious drama now I can't imagine like after like anything coming now that includes made for kids especially with like shootouts in school hallways and kids in danger and that's something that I think really makes this stand out as proto-slime because Monster Squad Goonies also feature kids in Mortal Danger and I think that's something that makes them not feel as slimy to me and you definitely see that here too lots of Children whose lives are actually endangered instead of just, like, there's some, they're going to get slimed or something like that. It's real consequence and danger.
1: We talked about that a little bit last week, too, with Balls of Fury, how one of the reasons I didn't see that as a, you know, Slimehouse movie, I mean, there's a multitude of reasons why that is not really a Slimehouse movie at all, but one of the reasons is, you know, there's people who die in that movie that get shot, you know, and... In this movie, it's the same. It's not as comedic as in Balls of Fury, which is, you know, pretty much like a parody movie in some ways. As you're saying, Max, there's severe, you know, deadly consequences. And to me, in in a, in a kind of stereotypical Slimehouse movie, the consequences are a little bit more digestible for a kid. Like you did bad on a test or, you know, the girl you like kissed another boy things like that that are a little bit more tangible and understandable for somebody who hasn't graduated from elementary school yet
2: yeah because this movie has like shootings like with actual blood in the case of the final shooting there's a shot of a body in a morgue and that was all stuff i was very surprised to see given my impression of the movie
3: i think like you the last 20 minutes of last 30 minutes of this you couldn't put that out in 2021
4: or honestly, probably
3: couldn't put that out after 1999 in the Columbine yeah. shooting. Yeah, I
4: was, I was going to say more than 9 11, I think Columbine really ended the like schools as settings for anything violent in movies. Um, and I think that it's worth reminding that this is a PG 13 movie, yeah. which is, and, and PG 13 is like brand spanking new. It came out just, you know, four or five years prior. And so it's doing something deliberately for a more like four quadrant audience, which is kind of what the PG 13 rating was meant to do where it has some dark. Yeah. Like the shot of the morgue. I was (laughs) like, Whoa, you would never throw that in a slime Master movie unless the body was like had a goofy face (laughs) on it or something, you know, (laughs) Um, but it's like, it's played for plot. It's not played for gags. And so there are examples throughout where the bloodshed or the gunplay, is
1: plot driven not gag driven which makes it for me less slimy there's a very big difference in kind of how later slime house movies would portray action to in this movie it's a lot more realistic it's it's less physical there's there's not as much um exaggeration to the movement in the action this is mostly just you know shoot em up kind of action which it, in in later slime house we'd see you know i think the influence of guys like Jackie Chan and things like that, that, you know, you'd see a little bit more stunt work infused with humor and funny reaction shots. Whereas this is all about more so seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger. And speaking of pack and
0: heat, I think that's the perfect transition into, I actually recorded all the different, uh, I think what I would say, illegal cop crimes that detective John Kimball performed, um, just, (laughs) <laughs> and so I think, I, so in the, her, the hermeneutic of you know trying to you know encapsulate this time of people being suspicious of law enforcement, I have a rap sheet for him. Um, he, assault, he, he assaults three people when he barges in to find Sydney. He unlawfully discharges a firearm when looking for Sydney. He does commits witness intimidation when he's talking to Sydney. He, thre- he threatens a witness. He also threatens to stalk uh, Cindy. Um, and then I think w- with uh, using the deadly weapon, you can make the argument that this attempted assault with a deadly weapon by discharging a shotgun that close to somebody. And then those that was just in the first twenty minutes, which is of course, as we discussed, you know, like that's the more action, that's the more action centric that he, he commits the most uh, crimes in that. <laughs> but then he also assaults a minor <laughs> when he drops a fat kid of, like, at least four feet. You know, because, I mean, if he's stand, if Arnold Schwarzenegger is standing straight up and he's lifting, a, uh, you know, a child into the air, that's like a five foot drop. That kid could break his ankle. You
2: know? <laughs> that's nothing to sneeze at.
0: Um, and then there's physical assault of the father suspected of an assault on a minor. So, you know, Detective John Kimball, he's a loose cannon. The, the due process. uh <laughs> Oh, uh, you know, presumption of innocence. These things are not known to John Kimball in your car. I mean, that's that's great. And
4: that's it's funny because that's something, Cole, we've talked about before with shows like 24 and and even just like the John Wayne mi- mindset of like, right. yeah, shoot first, ask questions later. I think it's just movies up until about 10 years ago, that was like how they perpetrated the kind of the American way of, of kind of action- action hero who gets shit done essentially
3: i was thinking more like as far as schwarzenegger like he's during those scenes he's dressed in a trench coat and he looks a lot like he did at the beginning of the first terminator movie and i wondered if that was a deliberate stylistic choice he has this like very just predatory look to him he's wearing sunglasses and he's got a shotgun under tucked under that trench coat
1: yeah to me i actually i saw that as like this movie is almost like a metaphor for arnold's transition in from just a total 80s action hero into the family-friendly actor he would kind of become more known for in the 90s. He would do Terminator 2, he would do True Lies, a lot of these huge action movies in that decade, but a lot of people are originally known for Kindergarten Cop or Jingle All the Way, you know, movies like that, that he he was a funny guy. He wasn't necessarily an action guy after this. I have a perfect little bit about that which is i remember you know how when you would
4: go to see movies in theaters they'd have like the the pre-show where they have like trivia and other stuff like that to do i remember seeing a movie actually the movie was clock stoppers and they had a pre-show question that said your favorite schwarzenegger line question mark and i was with a babysitter and at that point i knew schwarzenegger was but i only knew him like i literally the only way i knew he was in was jingle all the way but i wanted to like sound like I knew what I was talking about. So I was like, I think my favorite <laughs> line is, is I'll get that toy. I promise.
2: <laughs> 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 and not I remember, even a one, not even a one-liner. <laughs> <laughs> like a I, I, think, I remember my babysitter
4: just kind of like nodded her head in
2: confusion. <laughs> I'll get that only
4: toy. then years later, when I realized that Arnold had like 20 plus, iconic lines, but I knew none of them at the age of nine.
2: So who are you, man? Shit. I'm the party pooper. Well,
3: I've got news for you. You are mine now. You belong to me. You're
4: not gonna have your mommy run behind you anymore and wipe your little douches. Oh no, it's time now to turn this
3: mush into muscles.
1: Cole, I'm curious, as an as a Arnold aficionado, who had kind of just seen this for the first time? Where do you, you know, kind of place this within his filmography, just from your perspective? I
0: think that's a great question because I actually was um, considering almost exactly that one. I think that this is um, a concrete proof of like the marquee per, uh, name that Arnold Schwarzenegger had become. I think it encapsulates, even if it's not a perfect film, I think it totally is like a masterclass on how appealing he is and i would place it as you know a a sort of a film where he further cements his status as a legend and i would have some evidence for that argument which is that this is the second movie after i think commando in which his character is just directly from austria so his character you know (laughs) is the is you know I think that speaks to a movie star where it's like they engineer the movie around you so that you can, you know, so that you are, you know, the name on the poster, you are the reason people are getting in those seats. And I think that is a really, you know, I don't know if anyone really has the plot kind of bent around them or, you know, or is where you'd, you'd be watching it. And it's not jarring for the person to be like, oh, the real life place that I am from as an actor is also the place that I'm from in this movie. And obviously, you know, subsequently after this is Last Action Hero, where it enters the sort of next stage commentary on his sort of star status. So I think that this is like one of several films that, um, you know, may not be the marquee property that he was in, but further kind of restated the
1: level that he was at. I think. I love that because something we talk about a lot is is a lot of these Slimehouse comedies are built around a star. You know, Eddie Murphy has movies, has these kids movies built around him. Jim Carrey had The Grinch and Lemony Snicket built around him. But I love what you bring up and that this one is probably the most self-reflexive example that we've seen yet. Of This is a movie that only Arnold Schwarzenegger could be the leading man of well i'll I'll kind of thread the needle between those two thoughts
4: like it's like they took what could have been a different actor archetype but then they just tailored it directly to schwarzenegger himself and i think that schwarzenegger is a person whose persona i mean eventually that's what got him into you know office as the governor was just that he was this kind of cult persona that everyone kind of had a flavor for and movies like this like you said, Cole helped kind of sell the, the Schwarzenegger story, which is, in his eyes, kind of the American dream and all these other kind of big metaphorical buff man topics that Schwarzenegger's kind of wrapped up in throughout.
2: Yeah, for me, something I really noticed about this movie, just sort of in terms of Schwarzenegger's filmography as I know it, is both this and Total Recall were released the same year. And in both of those movies, both this movie and that movie, he plays Uh, while they're not exactly normal men because they, of course, have the figure and size of Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's playing more human characters in both of these movies. I mean, in Total Recall, he is from Mars, but he's playing a suburban, just kind of dude that's a construction worker. And then in this, he's a a cop, of course, but he's blending in for most of the time as a quote-unquote normal guy. And, like, before this, with movies like Terminator, Commando, Predator, I feel like he feels much more superhuman, just more of a a figure to like blow people up and be big but in this in total recall much more human character and i feel like that was a huge moment for sort of his career going on from this point
3: i mean i think of like terminator 2 that came out only six months after this there's some there's some uh, parallels between this movie and that and that's about him protecting kids in children as we were talking about and so i think like even in the more serious schwarzenegger movies there was kind of this like convergence of this idea that Schwarzenegger was more of the four quadrant actor as Cole was saying
1: yeah that's great I didn't even put that together Jared but Terminator 2 definitely feels like it's almost like a continuation of I hadn't seen Terminator 2 until a couple years ago and you know it's a fantastic movie but I didn't realize there there was that story centered around a, a kid you know a child really at the heart of it and I think that more than a lot of action stars Arnold really has a tenderness to him that's really believable that I think, you know, a lot of, like, we talked about My Spy and Dave Bautista. To me, like, Dave is you know, a fine performer, but he doesn't have a sense of, like, tenderness to him, especially in My Spy, whereas Arnold really feels like he he has that heart and tenderness to him. In Kindergarten Cop, Terminator 2, Jingle All The Way, on so on and so forth.
0: And this is something, I think, Jasper, you really summed up something that I think about a lot because obviously, as I've made abundantly clear, I have a really soft spot for Schwarzenegger. But, And I think this movie is not great. I think in the third act, it substantially loses steam. But I think the second act is really good, and I think it reflects what Arnold does so well, which I think some people say, oh, he's not a good actor. But I think that claim is actually debatable because of his level of commitment he l- commits a hundred and ten percent especially in that scene where he is the com- it's the comedic scene of like him getting knocked over and like he's like sh- he yelled he does the famous line of shut up and you know although you could say that that's not good acting i think he's just it's clear that he commits 110 percent. i think terminator 2 bearing sort of a thematic similarity is also remembered as uh, another one of his really good performances because of that level of like, he commits and it works because how could you not like, how could you not like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know? And I think that that level of magic, you know, is something that, you know, even maybe a talented quote unquote, whatever the relativity of that term means, actor might not be able to pull off.
1: Shut up! Shut up! Shut
2: up! Yeah, I think something he's underrated for that you really see on this is I think he's a very good like physical comedian, more so than a lot of other actors that sort of have the same roles as his. I like The Pacifier is another movie that I feel like is very similar to this, and I like Vin Diesel a lot as a movie star, but he doesn't have this same sort of commitment as a physical presence that Arnold Schwarzenegger has. And I think that's what really makes this movie sort of click and make it so re- well-remembered when there's a lot of movies similar to it that haven't really is... He's really willing to just let these kids, like, play around, climb on him, and just really go for a lot of good comedic physical scenes with the kids. Speaking of that, too,
1: I want to jump into the kind of the, the kids of this movie a little bit, because it is the most slimehouse element of, of, of the movie, in, in my view. But... Besides the kind of physical comedy the kids do, we've kind of touched on this, but the jokes are very adult that they make. Like, and in some ways, they don't seem very believable for kids to be saying a lot of those things, especially kindergartners, you know? And it's funny. The vulgar things they say are funny, but, you know, they're not things that actual five year olds are going to think are funny. So I was kind of surprised at how adult the humor was, knowing that when I was growing up, so many friends and acquaintances really thought this movie was hilarious. You tell me, who is
3: your daddy and what does he do?
0: My dad doesn't do anything since the crash. My dad doesn't live with us anymore. He lives in New York and drives a taxi. My mom hopes he's gonna die real soon
1: our mom says that our dad
0: is a real sex machine well so what when you say it's pg-13 that was new have you guys this had uh, discussed uh, i've heard you use some terms about like who i I, ha- I do have the question i think it's an important question but who is the audience of this movie i guess is my question
3: yeah i mean like we had the same kind of thought when we were talking about my spy in fact we we have a segment on our show Called uh, Slime Study, and we came up with that idea because there was another movie, that same episode called The Sleepover, which felt like we thought of that as like My Spy, but much slimier and like more, but especially because it was more like directly targeted towards kids, even though it has some similar kind of plot ideas about like the adults being these kind of like secret badasses or whatever. This it's like, it's more like My Spy, where it feels like the there's parts of this that are aiming for like an older audience then there's parts of this that are aiming for a younger audience this is something i actually like about the movie that doesn't feel like it's just trying too hard to pander to one particular demographic but at the same time it's like it has these different elements of it that are kind of like conflict with each other that would make them would make it not appealing to the other audience if that makes sense so maybe
4: when they pitched this movie and when they sold the movie, it was targeted towards adults. But that concept of kindergarten cop and the juxtaposition of that is a, something kids can relate to. Like they think it's, Oh, ha ha. Like a big goofy cop is our teacher now. Ha ha ha. You know? And so in a weird way, I feel like it mutated and became a kid's movie in the benefit of hindsight. Cause like who in their right mind is going to like go on a date and say like, kindergarten cop tonight you know like whereas like for you know for a 10 year old it's kind of like an edgy movie that like maybe some kids wouldn't be allowed to see but like if their parents said you're not allowed to see it they'd be like but it's kindergarten cop you know and so they could kind of get away with that so yeah i think that it it is kind of confused at what its target audience is and that's you know and that's interesting for sure
3: but like what i'm saying is the fact that it's kindergarten and not like middle school cop, cause then I feel like there'd be a better connection between like the, the kids that like the younger people that would be interested in seeing this movie. They're going to be like 10 or 11. Like you said, they're not going to be into kindergarten. So like, they're not going to really see it as much of themselves in these younger characters in the film.
4: But they can find it funny that like a five-year-old says something dirty without knowing what it is. I like, think like, that's the whole like gist of that humor. And, and so you, it's unlike movies like we talk about, normally you look up, at ages, I think in this one, you know, you you can look down and be like, oh, look at those goofy kindergartners making a mess or, you know, whatever it is that they do.
2: Yeah, I feel like kind of kids saying like dirty out of pocket things has been a source of humor for like a lot of movies, I feel like that. But usually much raunchier than this, I feel like Bad Santa is a good example that I think of. There's a movie with Jason Bateman, Bad Words, that's pretty much the joke in the movie. And this is an early introduction to that kind of humor that does not actually, despite being child-based, has never really rung as slimy to me. It feels more in the vein of just a normal comedy. But I like what you said, Nelson, that this is something that I feel like... It's kind of like the dirty, the little bit edgier movie that you're still allowed to watch and aren't, like, uncomfortable watching with your parents. And I think a a testament to that is that a lot of the most well-remembered lines from the kids are the kind of dirty lines, the kids saying uh, the line about penises and vaginas. That's something I feel like people quote from this movie that you see clips from. And I just feel like mining humor from kids saying dirty things went on to be very popular but I wouldn't exactly call it slimy which is why I feel like this movie is hard for me to pinpoint who exactly the audience is but I feel like it it's a, it's a real like family movie which I think we've talked about before kids movies versus family movies this feels like something that was kind of cooked up that everyone can find something to enjoy although I do think it feels like a mostly adult or young adult audience that this is targeted to yeah, but
3: but like when you that line you were talking about like, that, the kid says that because his dad's a gynecologist. My interpretation of that was, like, the kid doesn't know how, like, filthy that can be. And, like, some of the kid humor in this was, like, it didn't seem as, like, deliberately, you know, crude as I've seen in other Slam House movies to me. Maybe I'm alone in that. I kind of, I'm
1: in the middle. I I definitely think you're right on the money there, Jared. Whereas, you know, especially that scene where it's the montage of the kids talking about their parents. It's definitely just, like, the joke is that it's just kids absorb whatever their parents say and then just repeat it back which as opposed to say like a bad santa or a good boys where it's you know kids intentionally making dirty jokes but that said i don't think kids will find it funny per se like to me this is a movie that's like when you graduate from kind of the slime house realm this is your next step almost and then after this you can go into like the real raunchy stuff so it is this like weird. I think it occupies this very very small window of when you're kind of tween, but like about to graduate into like teenhood. Is that the, is that a word? Teenhood. When you're about to graduate into teendom, and this movie may even feel a little bit too juvenile for like a teen. So it's this. It, I think it has this very very small window of success for for a younger audience, but then an older audience. I think this might have a lot of more longevity because there's something for, you know, parents. There's something for action fans. But for kids, which I think Slimehouse, that's that's the primary audience. This has such a small demographic within that younger demographic. So a modest
0: proposal. I think what I'm hearing, if I was to try and put on the shoes of like the marketing loafers, I would say that, this movie is marketed to families with a child that is in the summer before seventh grade that's what I think it is that's what if I had to just give an overly specific one of like well hundred 12, 13, 100%, yeah. 12 13 you know like dad's dad's like oh I gotta go see kindergarten cop but then he gets there and he's like Whoa, <laughs> explosions Arnie you know like and then the, the kind love of plot, yeah. you know i see that's i see the new a nuclear family with like one or two kids summer before 7th grade
1: totally and i i love that you bring up the marketing because i wanted to touch on that really quick to me the marketing of this movie is an a, amazing example i think for me a prime example of misinterpreting a movie as Slimehouse house before you see it because of the marketing like if you see that poster you're just like oh pff. Arnold Schwarzenegger hanging out with kids, Slimehouse City, you know? But then you, like, in the first five minutes, you're like, oh, shit, this is kind of dark, you know? Like, this is not a Slimehouse movie. Yeah, it's
2: a weird juxtaposition in the opening scene because you're seeing just this, like, very straightforward action scene, but then you're seeing the opening credits superimposed over it, and they're, like, in this chalk font with, like, backwards letters, (laughs) like the most, like, stereotypical, like, kid font, and it's just so weird to see, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger underlined with crayon, like... Over just what seems like a completely normal, normal Arnold <laughs> movie, like it definitely the marketing really oversold the sliminess to me at least of this movie.
4: We've dealt with that before with like movies we think are slimy based on the marketing materials, but then when you watch it, you're like, eh, it's it's not it's not like walking the walk, so to speak.
2: Yeah, I think something else that this movie didn't really ring as slimy to me is there is some gross out humor present throughout, but a lot of it is more verbal, and I feel like when you when you have a movie with a lot of kids, you open yourself up. It's very easy to do a lot of gross-out humor. I mean, kids are gross. You can do a lot of visual stuff, but this has a lot of, like, messes, but then as far as, like, the scatological humor go, they call the kid a poo-poo caca at one point, and that's, <laughs> that's about the limit of it. Like, there's just not much scatological here outside of straight-up, like, sex jokes or sexual innuendos, and I think that When you have a movie with such a cast of kids and you don't really use them for any kind of gross-out humor, it really, I feel like, shows your cards on what you're going for and what audience you're really aiming this for. Well, my
1: favorite line in this movie is actually in a very non-slimy scene, but it's a semi-scatological quote where Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of busts, as, as a cop, busts into this kind of seedy, junky, kind of hangout, drug den... And some guy says, who are you, man? And he says, I'm Zabadi Poopa. <laughs> and it was just like the best. I, I let out like a genuine laugh. Like that was just a great delivery.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that there's, you know, all of this makes me think of, you know, the fact that it's, I don't think it's any accident that, you know, in that first 20 minutes, like we said, that is that sort of mini movie within the broader movie. He has a beard and then he's clean shaven. He's all cleaned up, you know, when he becomes the teacher. So I think that there's that, you know, maybe like just to let the audience like to chart the kind to the audience like, oh, this is when, you know, we're going to have the gritty part in the first end, but then he's going to shave, he's going to get cleaned up and it's going to be a bit more even keel. I mean there's still and and then it all falls apart in the end again but still like for that middle section where there is sort of the closest thing to that slimehouse humor the 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 kind of most moving parts of the family movie dynamic in it
4: Early into his teaching career, uh, Joyce, the fellow teacher who later becomes the love interest, gives him a piece of wisdom where she says, you know, kindergarten is like the ocean. You don't want to turn your back onto it. And meanwhile, he's left the classroom. And when he comes back, it's it's chaos, as you can imagine. And kids like, you know, painting the walls and covering themselves in chalk and, and mischief and mayhem. And I sort of feel like, slime house is like the ocean and this movie probably did pretty well and then they said well what made it do so well and they're like oh the kids and oh like the messes and all that stuff and they thought about those elements and i think that movies like the pacifier and other kind of uh ant or descendants of kindergarten cop ramp up the slime factor because of kind of a misinterpretation of what made this movie successful in a way. And and that's where I see that all the Slimehouse elements of this movie don't feel Slimehouse in their execution, but they feel like they were laying blueprints for what was then later to be mega Slimehouse.
2: Yeah, I feel like another example of that in this movie is this movie relies very heavily on subplots about like broken homes, divorce, and that all I feel like rings is something that was very influential in a lot of the slimehouse movies that came afterwards was a lot of these family movies always tackle divorce very rarely we've talked about a lot are the parents together and often it's a plot point even and it being such a key part of this movie was one of the things that despite not being comedic was something that rang as slimy as about kindergarten cop I want to
3: go and I want to jump off that because the one like trope I saw in this that made me Think about our show and what we talk about so often is one of the uh, kids that comes from a broken family. It's the kid of the teacher that Arnold develops a relationship with, played by Penelope Ann Miller. Her son in the movie f- builds this like weird kind of fortress to keep the "quote unquote" bad people out, and it felt very that felt very DIY. And the way he kind of sets up that whole thing, he lets Arnold into that world when he's over for dinner at one point. That felt like a portal into a kind of like more slimy kind of territory in design but maybe not in like the feel in the truest sense of the word
1: yeah I, i i like that note a lot too i i made that note and i think if you were to make kindergarten cop from that kid's perspective that would be a key set piece you know like that fantasy world that clubhouse he's created with you know kind of the phony laser weapons that he's designed Um, I think that that rendition of Kindergarten Cop is a Slimehouse movie through and through but when the fact that they've chosen Arnold's character as the centerpiece of this movie I think shifts the tone in such a strong way that it moves it so much away from Slimehouse which wasn't a thing yet but know
2: yeah it sort of feels like the slime is there the slime house is there but it's not it's none of it is foregrounded it's all kind of in the background of this more adult-centered comedy around arnold's character
1: i'd be curious to see the straight to dvd sequel though (laughs) kindergarten cop 2 uh which i'm guessing is a bit of a a mess metaphorically and literally (laughs) I believe it's Dolph Lundgren is yeah, the Dolph Lundgren. is the uh, is the cop in that movie. And
4: ac- according to Rolling Stone, and we got this covered, that there is rumor that Arnold is making a sequel to this movie, but but there is also rumor that he's making a sequel to Twins. So I take all Arnold sequels with a grain of salt.
2: Yeah, triplets has been rumored for like a very long time. <laughs> I think with Eddie Murphy is supposed to be the third triplet, but. I don't know if that'll ever end up <laughs> coming out. It feels like these. We'll, we'll,
3: we'll see what Jason Wrightman wants to do with his father's property. Yeah, I want
2: to see like a Ghostbusters afterlife style take on Kindergarten Cop, like a real like yeah. sentimental <laughs> like uh, worshiping the original kind of take. <laughs> like his um, son uncovers like the old kindergarten. <laughs> I can't think. The, of y- the yearbook. Somewhere. Well, the kid right. is right. so in- the, the
1: kid is so inspired by Arnold Schwarzenegger that he is now a cop. And actually has to, you know, you know um, become it, a. I don't has know. To also it, become a
2: kindergarten. <laughs> it like the scenario could never happen twice, <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable.
0: Max had a really. Wait, what was the name of the place? What was the name of the setting Astoria. again? Astoria. Was it Astoria? Astoria,
3: Oregon. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it was like he has a son, Gerald Kimball. It's like Gerald. We have to go back to Astoria. <laughs> <laughs> This thing's there that they left. <laughs>
4: um, Max had a really good point about how the slimehouse is kind of there in the background, and I think this can, can kind of take us to the slime scores if you guys are cool with that. I feel like the plot elements you kind of write down, you're like, yes, that's like that feels like a slimehouse plot element, but the style and the approach in filmmaking is n- zero slime. Like, there's no like. Slimehouse angles, or like the kind of zany colors, or anything like that. It's it plays very straight, it plays like Groundhog Day color scheme, you know, just like straightforward Pacific Northwest, beautiful location, but not Slimehouse in its like style
3: at all for me. Yeah, has that like kind of early 90s drama dramedy look to it.
2: Yeah, it doesn't really have any sort of stylization at all, which I think is key to a lot of the slimiest slime has to have at least some element of that. And it's really not here in any form. Mm -hmm. I will say one thing, though.
1: I think there is a lot of capturing Arnold Schwarzenegger's reactions to things. And Arnold is such a visual actor with his face, I think. He makes a lot of funny faces. And I think that you know, having a lot of specific close-ups of Arnold's kind of reaction to these kids and the situations he's in is something that would translate later into a lot of Slimehouse stuff. It's inherently funny to see a big macho guy have a, you know, silly face when a kid steps on his foot or are making a mess in the classroom. And I think that's, the first instance i've seen of of this really of that really being a kind of centerpiece of some of the comedy in a movie of this ilk and with that let's officially transition into the slime score segment
3: jared yeah so i did want to bring up one more movie as i give my score going back to the slime study segment a movie i thought of that could have been the racing stripes to this movie's dreamer is Sea spot run also a pacific northwest you know undercover cop family comedy but it's been a while since i've seen it but i do remember enough of it to say that that's like a slimier version of this in some respects and yeah I, I agree with most of the points that have been uh, spoken with here i do feel like the humor is just not very cartoony or gross in the way that we want to see in a slime house film i do also yeah i'll stop there so this is a two for me
1: I, I'm also gonna land on a two for this, but the movie that I thought of a lot was Christmas with the Cranks, which narratively is totally different. Comedy-wise is kind of totally different. But the reason why I kept thinking about that movie with this is that it is a movie that when you see its marketing looks very Slimehouse. But when you watch it, you realize this is a movie kind of for adults, you know? Adults would take their kids to, as opposed to kids taking their parents to, and and for that reason, you know, I, I'm not. I don't need to expand on what Jared said because I kind of have the same exact thoughts. I'll land on a two for this one. Yeah,
2: I really like what you said about how this is a movie that parents take their kids to instead of vice versa. I think that's the perfect way to kind of encapsulate this movie and its sliminess. Um, I'd also land on a two for this. I definitely think there's. Some elements that would go on to be used in Slimehouse. It definitely planted the seeds for a genre, which I think got very big within Slimehouse, being the big guy, little problems subgenre we've coined. And th- So, for that, I do think that uh, this movie has some importance in the world of Slime, but I, it is not a Slimehouse movie.
4: Actually, it's pretty amazing. I am going to land on it too as well. And I, it's funny because I thought everyone was going to go a lot higher than me based on our conversation, but there was a moment where i was like is is this a one and i was like no it's not a one because yes a lot of the the foundation is there and that that's enough to make it exist as slime house but i think the execution isn't slime house at all it's it's just sort of it's proto slime to a t but it's it's a two for all the reasons previously said
3: i
0: i would actually i would have i would give it a higher score i know that i probably do not have nearly as much you know slime house research under my belt so but i still would like to make a case for saying that i think that because of its sort of experimental toolkit and it's sort of just broad broaching of like you know clearly being maybe two or three different movies kind of disassembled and Frankensteined together. Um that I would put it as like a three point five or a four. Um, because there there is a zany animal that leads to a, you know, very plot relevant thing where the barret bites the guy's ear. There is
1: yeah, we didn't talk about the ferret. Yeah, so
0: that, that is, that is zany, <laughs> the zany animal is there, you know, there's the the beginnings, you know, there's the excretions humor, the kid has food to dribble out of his mouth when Arnold Schwarzenegger picks him up, uh, so I think that, and I also think that there's that sense of just experimentation and kind of trying to... You know, like a blindfolded cow looking for the fence, and then like, oh, okay, this is the limit. I'm gonna go this other direction. Um, so I think it's three point five or a four on my slime scale. Well, we don't do point five scores, so pick, pick. Uh... I'll go. I'll
4: go with three then. I'll go one point higher. Well, I think that wraps up a, a really interesting conversation, and and uh, Cole, we hope to have you back on for episodes, whether it's arnold or not um come back anytime
0: oh i i'd really love to this is great thanks for having me and i'm and i'm happy to uh to participate love you vista baby
2: slime House, a podcast created by jared anderson jasper Burnbaum, max morris and h nelson tracy if you like this episode you can find more fun on slimehousepod.com Our website is created by Brian Hume of Valencia Creative Company. Our theme music composed by Greta Russell. Support this podcast at anchor.fm slash slimehousepod or by following us on social media at slimehousepod on all platforms.